You're listening to Authentically Me, a podcast dedicated to activating the magic that is within us all through the power of authenticity, sharing, and transmuting with love. Here, you will find real-life experiences shared through the lens of everything is always serving. We are led through this journey by your host, Serena Rose. Serena is a ceremonialist who believes our life is just one big ceremony for our soul. Connect to your soul and enjoy the ceremony. Hello, Authentically Me Beauties. Thank you so much for being here, for tuning into my podcast. It means so much to me. And I have the delight and joy to share with you a beautiful soul sister from this land named Jenna Hitchcock. And our paths divinely crossed. I met her and I was like, you need to come on my podcast. And I'm so excited to have you here. Jenna, please say hello to my listeners. Hello. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Thank you. (laughs) And just tell me, um, you are a somatic sex coach. Is that, wait, hold on. Somatic sex and connection coach. Is that the correct title? Yeah. So, um, yep, that's exactly right. I'm a connection coach and, and I work with the somatics around sexuality for sure. So a lot of my work is, um, is, seeing what's here and then working with the body to remove it. And that looks like self-pleasure, that looks like breath work, it's all sorts of things. So um, I mix a little bit of the care and the care to drop into here. Mm. And so for those who are not watching the video but are listening, what does mixing a little bit of here, here, and here to get to here, what exactly is that? Could you use some words? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to give a little story because it's what's intuitive. So, do you remember the movie Wizard of Oz? Mm -hmm. Mm. So Dorothy um, hits her head in the storm, and she goes on this wild adventure to Oz, and she's off to find Emerald City so she can get home again. And on her journey, she gets gifted these red ruby slippers on her beautiful feet, and she goes for this walk, and she meets a scarecrow who needs a brain. And then she carries on and she meets the tin man who needs a heart. And then she meets the lion who needs the courage, which is our guts, it's our instinct. And they get to the Wizard of Oz, this magical emerald city, this place that they've journeyed so long for, um, to find out that she had the answer within her the whole time, her home was always within. And so when I said before, like here, here and here, I'm meaning our brain, our mind, our beautiful data collection of this life that's here working with us as a tool and our instinct, our gut and allowing us to move through the body, this beautiful body that's also another extension of our mind um, so that we can drop into our heart because when we're working with our mind, our gut, our body and our heart, we're completely in alignment and we're home. We're in our hands, freedom. That's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love stories. Um, 
So for those who feel out of alignment with themselves, with their home, which I imagine is a large number of people. And for people who follow me and listen to this podcast, I know that they're already on the path. So good work to you guys. (laughs) Um, Thank you for being here and doing the work wherever you are. Um, what advice would you give someone who feels out of alignment? I know even myself, external things can cause me or give me the opportunity to have the reaction to feel out of alignment. So what advice would you give? Um, just kind of blanket advice for people who feel misaligned. Yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind is it's a Buddhist teaching and it's, there's two things guaranteed in this life, which is our breath and the earth. And so whenever we're feeling lonely or like we don't belong or like we're seeing things in this world, which is happening a bit at the moment where it's just like, this doesn't feel like home because there's this happening and that happening and what am I even doing here? Um, which can be a lot of the existential crisis or um, uh, curiosities that spark our awakening, spark who we truly are so that we can come back within and know that home is always here. But the two things that are beautiful resources that will always bring us home to ourselves and always give us um, support, love, safety is our breath and the earth. And so getting your feet out on the earth, being completely quiet with no external stimulation apart from our mother, um, just being out in nature is one of the best gifts you can give yourself and breathing, really being with the breath really consciously um, knowing that that's the first gift that we get given in this life. We take in breath. Um, and I talked to this beautiful, <laughs> I'm going to bring another story. And I talked to this beautiful maestro Puma from the Andes last week, I had a cocoa leaf reading with him. Um, And he comes from a a very traditional lineage. And he said to me, you know, it was around receiving generously. And he said, the only time they believe that we truly give back in this life is in in our last exhale. Because when we come into this life, we breathe in, we're receiving. And so know that in any given time, if we're feeling like we're not at home or we don't belong or we're out of sorts or out of alignment, Fill your cup, receive, go out in nature, receive the cleansing of her waters, receive your breath, receive from her, pray to her, like, I, please help me, help me to feel home and get your feet on the earth. Those are the two things that are guaranteed in our life always, our breath and the earth. It's here from start to finish. And the other thing I would say is if you are feeling out of alignment, the best way to get back into alignment is to find the things that are a very clear no for you and say no to them very clearly and create space, which is uncomfortable to begin with because what that does is it's like a portal. It's like a vacuum for all the things that are for you. And it's a really quick way to get back into alignment with what's true for you. So if you're choosing things that are a no for you, but you're doing them for others or it's a no for you, but you're choosing it because you feel obliged obliged, or you should or because of society's ideas of what it should look like for you, but you know for you it's a no, start saying no. And no is a full sentence. So that's the 
the things that I would say if you're feeling out of alignment or not home, the breath, the earth, and your sacred no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I was listening to my fiance converse with his dad recently, and he was quote unquote saying no to him for something. And he got off the phone with him and he was like, wow, that was really tough. And I'm like, you know, you didn't once use the word no. You didn't Mm -hmm. actually say the word no. And no is really powerful. And I think it helps others understand you and your desires with just such a simple word, no. Yeah, and it can trigger people. And that's perfect because we've been taught to be people pleasers. We've been taught to acquiesce to others and to say yes, even when we mean no. But the energetics of that, and I I see and play with energy, like if I go past the personal of that into the transpersonal, the energetics of that is so icky. It's so leaky. It's so entangled. And when we're clear in our communication, and we're coming straight from our truth. And it's practice. Like sometimes we don't really know what our truth is until something shows up and we're like, oh, this is a no now. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like a yes then, but now it's a no. And it's just like being with what is when it shows up so that you can be as clear as possible. And when you're clear in your channel outward, you're clear in your channel inward, meaning you're receiving for creativity, you're receiving for pleasure, for joy, for um, abundance, all of the things that you're calling into your life. Um, if you're creating blocks with what you're putting out, that creates blocks with what you can receive. And it's like what Peter Kelly says, like a kink in your hose. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, so I like to study people a little bit before I interview them. So I watched a couple of your IGTVs and just read up on you a little bit, watched some videos. And you spoke about people unraveling themselves and you're speaking a lot of what I perceive as cords of energy, entanglements, connections. And so my question is, how Authentically, this is my house. When he sees someone outside my house, he barks. Sorry. <laughs> Alex, <I'm> here. <laughs> no. Come on. I think it's great when um, not interruptions, but sounds happen because it's nature saying, like, this is important. (laughs) (laughs) So bless your doggy. How does one unravel themselves enough to get to know who they really are? And what does that mean? Mm. Yeah, so... For me, it's like the destruction or the deconstruction of ideas or beliefs that no longer serve us. So an unraveling would be almost like, you know, when you believe something hard and you're like, yes, this is, abs- this is the truth. And then new information comes in and it says, oh, but this is also truth. And it's the exact opposite of what you believe. And then there's like this cognitive distance that takes place and that's happening a bit at the moment like we see one thing online and then there's the total opposite being said by someone else and we're like well what's the truth here and it's really understanding that beliefs are great mechanisms 
you know, this data bank of our brain that's been here, I'm 35, so 35 years that works for me and I can pull from, from past experience. There's beliefs in there because of what's shown up before now. And there may be a new scenario that keeps playing out of my life <clears throat> that I choose differently in. And so it's like, okay, is this still true for me within this context? Because uh, I'm working with Neil Donald Walsh. He's the author of um, Conversations with God. And this, this kind of work that's coming out of me right now that I'm speaking to comes from him. And he talks about how um, the Groundhog Day movie is pretty much truth to our reality. That by the ages of zero to seven, we have experienced everything there is to experience in life and then that just plays on repeat and we have the opportunity to experience ourselves or recreate ourselves anew in that moment so the more we go inward and we realize who we truly are we get to recreate that who we are in each experience so say something that once upon a time would have disempowered me like say a breakup with a man i can choose differently in a new scenario and say that same context no content, but I can change my context. Like, oh, am I a victim to this? Mm-hmm. What played out here? How am I choosing to be within this? How do I want to show up? And that's where the game um, changes and gets different because we can literally choose our experience. We can choose beforehand, no matter what shows up, what we choose to be, what our context is, and that is the game. Because no matter what shows up in our life, good, bad, great, devastating, how we be with it is really the juice. It's really what we came here to experience. We came here to be with all of life and to really be alive and live in our aliveness. And oftentimes we feel disempowered by things showing up in our reality outside of ourselves. And it can put us into victim or persecutor or rescuer. And that's just feeding into the drama of maybe something that we once believed to be true, but is now no longer true for us based on the awareness that we have and the life experience that we're um, coming from. And so unraveling what no longer serves and going, is this true for me anymore? Is this actually an idea that I believe? Where did that come from? Because for example, and I have um, two girlfriends who I co- co- like collaborate with in business, and we had a call the other day, and none of us wanted to talk about business, so we literally just chewed the fat, like we just talked and laughed, and I was talking about how I was on medicine retreat once, and we um, had the beautiful medicine of Wachuma, which is a masculine cactus, and I walked up to some people, and they waved at me, and I looked at them, and then I looked at my hand, and I went... <laughs> and I'm waving for those watching the podcast. And I was looking at my hand going, what even is this? Like, why do we even do this? And it's like, it sounds crazy. It sounds weird. But then I looked at them and went, what is this? And then they looked at their hands and they were like, why do we do this? We've been taught it. Mm-hmm. But really, what is this? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> and we were laughing and laughing on this call the other day because they were like, Oh yeah. Like being curious into your behaviors and your habits and your beliefs and what you do and just being able to laugh at it as well. Because like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with waving with each other, but just being like, huh. Yeah, yeah totally. I what is that? absolutely <laughs> get it. 
I just did a collective tarot reading this week and the card that I pulled was clarity of belief. And everything that you just said is basically what I said on my card reading is allowing ourselves the permission to see ourselves differently, to really get clear on what we believe and why we believe it and allowing ourselves the expansion to think differently, to view things differently, to allow other people's perspectives to penetrate our fields because they exist. And when we resist each other, it just creates tension. You know, the waving is, you know, a funny example. I love that example. It's hilarious. And also, you know, culturally, we can get stuck in cycles of even what um, our culture or our friends or our family, you know, there's just so many layers And so giving ourselves permission to just be with ourselves truly, ultimately, is the biggest gift. So I'm like totally vibing on everything that you said, and it's been in my field this week. So I love that. Yeah, something that's just coming through is like, I think of my dad, who's super, super like, uh, and he would call it like far right politically and just in his ideas, like the news that he watches is the real news and everything else is fake news. Like that's the, that's the thing. And it's really interesting because I'm like, well, if all things are true because they are based on the human that's experiencing them, we have free will. So we have the choice to believe our truth. Cool. Like him and I, like I'm quite liberal. I'm open-minded to anything being possible. And it's really fascinating when I was, uh, when I allowed myself, because I lived with them while lockdown was happening. Um, I came back to New Zealand from traveling and lived with them for five months. And I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. You know, that old thing of like, you know, if you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family. (laughs) And um, it was beautiful. I had the best time with my mum and dad at 35 living with them again. I was just like, oh, I thought this would be hard, but it was amazing because I'm just so open to them just being how they're being and same, like it's that acceptance. And what I found fascinating was by not shutting off his opinions or what he thinks or what he sees in the world and just being like, well, that's how he sees it. I noticed very often, more times than not, we come up with the same conclusion, which is fascinating. Could you we all come from the same truth. Can you provide and an example it, of that? Just by curiosity. Well, no, there isn't one coming to me. But um, like there were just moments that I'd look at him and he'd look at me and we're like, we think the same thing. I I can't think of any examples because there's so many because we Mm -hmm. have many conversations. But something I also see in him is even though he has very strong opinions, he has like the most sensitive, beautiful heart of gold. And when you come back to it and it's like, okay, we all have our opinions here. But we all come from the same heart. Mm-hmm. We're all coming from the one place that is love. We all are parts of each other, fragmented, holographically showing each other ourselves. And I'm like, if you can remember that, you realize you're all actually coming from the same place. And yeah, this may look opposite and opposing, but the truth is we're all working together. There's a beautiful chaotic order happening. And when we can unravel the <clears throat> I'm right, you're wrong, you're right, I'm wrong 
it needs to look different, this needs saving, this needs fixing, and we can allow each other, that's where the sweet, sweet spot is because mm. then there's only love. Mm. Then there's allowance. And I'm not saying this is going to fix the world's problems. Like I know that there's, there's some big stuff that's being brought to the light and it's icky and it's destructive and it's chaotic and it's, you know, it's uh, devastating and there's a lot of heart-wrenching stuff going on right now. So I'm not... Um, taking away from that or making that less. But <clears throat> there is something to be said about, you know, it needs to look a different way. Mm. Well, it's here. So let's love it. How can we love this more? How can we have more compassion, more empathy, more, um, more understanding, more patience? Um, because when we drop into those places, those are our places of being. It's our soul's being. And then it allows space for it to just do its magic because we're recreating the destruction is part of that so yeah mm -hmm. I love that yeah I recently also on the live was talking about um racism and I'm like even if you're a racist you're supporting your brothers and sisters in this world like that's just what is happening we are all alive right now on the same land and we are supporting each other and not everyone's consciously aware of that but it is a truth that exists yeah they're playing the role that they're playing for whatever purpose yeah and yep yeah. oh that could be a rabbit hole <laughs> um so I want to talk about another potentially triggering subject for humans, which is sex. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my direct question to start out with is, is sex related to business? And if so, how? A hundred percent. It is your business. Everything's touching everything. Everything's connected to everything. If one area is a taboo subject, so is all areas. Um, and sex is ideas of what that is. And when you can get beyond, get beyond. And there's some really good um, texts that can help the logical mind but the only way through is really experiencing it through the body and through your body's experience and that's why self-pleasure is so important and I'm not just talking about orgasm and masturbation I'm talking about like being with the sensations of the body the breath sounding out what's here and allowing the medicine to work through the the felt sense of the body but um ultimately our sexuality is our life force it's what we all come from you only exist because two people had sex. Yes, I get that you can do Petri things and do like the sperm and the egg thing in a Petri and put that in someone now. Yes, and someone had to ejaculate to create that sperm and someone had to produce that egg. Like, and it had to go and, and merge together to create this baby. Mm -hmm. So I exist because two people had sex. So do you and so do majority of humanity. And um, so in saying that, why is it such a trigger? We are sex. We came from it. 
we are creativity. I see sex as creation. Creativity is also a part of our, um, our society that gets like limited and put over here and like, oh, well, only artists are creators. Only artists can be creative. I'm just not creative. I'm more logical. I'm more this. And the truth is we're all artists because we're creation in a human body. Mm -hmm. We are creating a life, you know, the things that we have in our home, like this couch that I'm sitting on, I didn't have a few weeks ago because I've just moved into a house. Like, created that. <laughs> I created I created living in this beautiful tiny home that I'm loving. I've created, you know, <clears throat> the style that I wear on my body. I've created the friendships that I have. I've created the relationships that I have cultivated in my life. I've created the money that's in my bank account. I've created the food that's in my fridge. I've created last night's dinner. I created um, I created my skill in photography. I've created so much in my life and you're the same. We are literally creative beings because we are sexual beings. We are, our life force, our sexuality is our creativity. It's one and the same is my belief. And so when we realize and we get past the ideas of what sex is and what it isn't and how it should be and how it shouldn't be, we get down to the purest innocence of ourself, which is that it's energy, it's life force, it's potent. And the reason why it's so triggering is because we sometimes feel powerless to it because there is a lot of um, constructs and taboos that have been placed on our society from very young age that have created um, disconnection. Let's call it that. Mm-hmm. And separation. And so what that looks like is, oh, I'm not allowed to do this. So I'm going to hold the frequency of guilt and shame, which is the lowest frequency a human being can be in, have the mindset of like, oh, I'm going to do things that create me to feel guilty and shameful. And it lowers our frequency. Therefore, it lowers our vibration of what we can manifest and what we can attract and how we can live our lives. And it hides us from our truth. And so we do fucked up things. I hope I can swear on this podcast. (laughs) Like rape. Like doing sexual acts that make us feel like shit for doing it. Like going out, my experience was, oh, okay, I was told by the Bible that I'm not allowed to have sex until marriage. So when it came of age where I wanted, I was horny and I wanted to have sex with people, I would get drunk because I believe that alcohol is of the same frequency as shame and guilt. And that's a whole nother story, but I would get drunk and then I'd be in that lower frequency and I would play out my guilty pleasures. Mm-hmm. Like going and having sex with someone and enjoying it. But then the next day feeling so shameful about it because my conditioning, my idea was, even though I knew it wasn't true, I still had a belief that hadn't been unraveled. It hadn't been exposed. It hadn't been allowed to be seen in its fullest that you have to be married to have sex. So I was, I, I didn't experience having 
sex without being drunk for a really long time after my first relationship when I decided to go and play in my sexuality it was very um, unconscious it was done in a way that probably wasn't the most empowering yet it's my life experience and looking back I'm so grateful for all of it because I'm just like oh now I can point to it and go oh I can see how that played out for me because I was operating from a frequency of guilt and shame and so my sexuality was attached to that so I was I was creating these scenarios and these situations that played out that whereas when we're so empowered in our sexuality and we can see like oh wait that idea is an idea that's in a book from some man that created that at some point. Is it my truth? No, I don't believe it. So now it's released the guilt and shame that's attached to that belief. Does that make sense? So I, I hope that I'm, I'm on a string here and it's leading somewhere. But um, so the idea that sex triggers people, I get it because it seems like it's this powerful entity or energy that's outside of us that disempowers us from that place. But when we can bring it back in and own it and reclaim it, we can then realize like, oh, wait, it is me. Mm-hmm. Not outside of me. It is existing within my body. It is natural, it is normal, it is innocent, it is the quantum, it is life force energy, it's creativity. And so that kind of deconstructed that really like quickly, but, and there's lots of things that you can go into around sex and sexual behavior, but ultimately it is us. Mm-hmm. We are our sexuality. We are life force in being. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All of that is really interesting and also you know, I agree with it. And I think also that sex can exist outside of us as well, because it shows up on television shows and billboards, and it has its own energy outside of us that it carries and can even trigger us without us knowing, you know, that's why they use it in ads and TV shows and stuff because our subconscious gets triggered by it into thinking a certain thing or doing a certain thing. And so um, I think as much as we are sex, it also can exist outside of us. Is that something that you would agree to or what do you have to say about that? Yeah. So yes. And you know, porn, huge, huge thing and that is it's the desensitization and it's also the um the idea givers of like oh that's what it looks like oh well that's how i should look for that to happen and it's it's planting seeds in our consciousness of oh well that's what sex is and when i say outside of us i mean everything is us so it's all pointing back to us right and so and that's a pretty big thing to just drop without explaining. Like I personally believe that you are me and I am you and that we're all in this game to be in co-creation with each other. This is a game of, Oh, I am you. You are me. For sure. Hello. Yeah. Love you. And so <laughs> <Hi>. even a, <laughs> hi, hi. <laughs> even a billboard that's showing me something about sex is showing me something about myself. Mm-hmm, for sure. And whether I take it on as a belief or not, it's serving me. 
Mm-hmm. And so there is no right or wrong in this game, but it's being like super heightenedly aware of like, oh, what's here? Like when I did my somatic sex coach training, um, one of the uh, exercises she had us do was to go into Pornhub and watch something that aroused us and be with that and then watch something that really triggered us. And I was so resistant to doing this because for me, porn is something that I have or had, uh, I have very strong opinions about for me. And so by doing this exercise, it was really potent because I'm working with people's sexuality in my work. And what I realized through the triggering one, which can I, t- can I express what I watched? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was a gangbang. And it was this girl who, um, who was basically with 12 different guys. And like, it, w- it was really confronting for me to watch it. Cause I was just like, it doesn't even look like she's enjoying herself. Like, why would anyone want that? Blah, blah, blah. This is what came through organically for me while I was watching it. And the whole point of the exercise was to see our judgments, to see what was there for us. Because ultimately, when I'm working with someone in their sexuality, they're going to have ideas and kinks and things they play in that I get to be so neutral to. And it's just like, it doesn't really matter why someone chooses something. It doesn't really matter what they're into. It matters if it's working for them. Mm -hmm. And what really needs to be felt and expressed and and seen from it so it really helped me as a coach to work with others to really go through that exercise and it was so confronting to sit there and watch the seven minute long thing of something that I really didn't want to see and it taught me so much about my judgments and about like well why would anyone choose to do that and it's just like well because they can Mm. they're allowed to all is welcome in this world. We have free will. We can choose whatever. And if two people are consenting or 13 people are consenting, it's there. Yeah. And so it really neutralized and de- de- um, deconstructed for me an idea that, or judgment that I had that wasn't serving me as someone who holds space for others. And so with outside influence, it's always working for us. And until it's not, because ultimately we can, we can, we can not question our behaviors and it's getting curious. It's that curiosity of no judgment. It's just like, okay, is this working or is it not? Like is my reaching and I'm going to use an example. I'm just going to check in for a second. Okay, cool. I'm going to bring in this little story and it's from a friend and I just checked in to make sure that I was in integrity with sharing a little bit of it. And <clears throat> she has never experienced her um, sexuality and uh, well, she has, but like not freely. And so she's playing in that at the moment. And we had a conversation recently about um, porn and she'd never experienced that. And so that was new, but what she was finding was, she was reaching for it mm-hmm. after just a month of being introduced to it. It became this thing. And she's a very conscious person. And we, we, we went into the conversation and I bring this in because it's that simple to create a, an addiction or an attachment or a visual stimulation outside of us to be with the, what is already here. Mm-hmm. And that's where the conversation 
got unraveled and, and went back to. And she and I discovered that like the sensation was already there, but it's reaching for something to to think that something outside of us needs to um to express it or to magnify it or amplify it when in actual fact the sensation was already there. And when we're doing self-pleasure practices, oftentimes, or when we're having sex, we're looking to climax. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, we're in this. It's feeling good. And then we get into mm-hmm. our habitual ways of touching, being, mm-hmm. sex, mm-hmm. to get to climax, to have the finale. And then it's like, or, and then cool, done, whatever. Um, and when we play in self-pleasure practice, it's more about being with what is. It's about riding the orgasm. It's about allowing what needs to show up without it having a goal attached to it. And yeah, mm-hmm. climax happens. It, it, it can be part of it. However, it's being with the nuances of sensation and um, the ability to feel all of it and that pure presence because... Ultimately, when we do that, that's when it amplifies. That's when it magnifies. That's when it's like, that's where the um, juiciness is. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes when we're looking for something outside to stimulate or we've got a goal attached to it every single time, like I'm not saying climax is bad, like everyone loves it. It's like samadhi. It's, you know, going to the no mind place for a millisecond. It's great. However, more mindfulness gets to be brought to all experiences, especially an experience as opening as climaxing can be. Yep. Yep. And I had this idea come to me recently and it was like, what if life is the orgasm? Because for me, when I orgasm or climax, it's pure presence. I've got to be so with it and so with the sensation and in it to experience it. And I'm like, what if we're always in climax, but we're not present to it? Mm. What if right now we are climaxing, we're in complete bliss and mm-hmm. ecstasy, mm-hmm. but because we're not present to it, we just aren't experiencing mm-hmm. it. Yeah, definitely. You're reminding me of something that Preston, which is how we're connected, Preston Smiles, for those listening, said to me when I was in his program is he was like, Serena, you are living in heaven right now, but reporting on hell. You're living in heaven, but you're reporting on hell. Mm -hmm. And it's just shifting (laughs) that perspective and allowing ourselves to feel the bliss, which is connected to sexuality, repression, trauma, you know, whatever it is for each person. Um, I had this idea or epiphany the other day after sex, which was, you know, I practice sex magic with my partner and the sex magic, which is creating, uh, manifesting things, you know, basically casting spells into the universe with our energy, our life force energy. And so that happens leading up to climax, at climax, and immediately after climax. And so the energy that you're in leading up to the climax, I was thinking about people and how a lot of people attach to climaxing and their thoughts are like, oh, I've got to do this. Or what if I can't do it? And then like, 
they're putting that intention in, I can't come, I can't come, I can't come. And then like, that's the sex magic that they're creating for themselves without actually consciously being aware of the story and the energy and the manifestation that their body is present with and their energy is present with. Maybe you can say it better than me. It was just like an epiphany I had the other day. It's like, be with myself a little more deeply right before climaxing and really check my thoughts and the stories Mm -hmm. and where I am, you know? Yeah. And it reminds me of the Sex and the City um, movie, the first one with Miranda, when she's with Steve and they're, they're having a disconnect in their marriage and she's about to orgasm. They haven't had sex in a really long time. And he's like, no, not yet. Not yet. Just a little longer. And she's just like, oh, let's get it over with already. And it's like, okay, if that's showing up in your bedroom, if that's showing up in your orgasm, where is that showing up in your whole entire life where you just want to get it over with already? Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for Friday. I'm, oh God, I can't wait to just get out of the office at lunchtime so I don't have to be in this place. Or having a break from your children. Or, you know, um, like at the gym. Oh, I hate this. You know, if you're experiencing that in the bedroom, it's shitting all over your life. It's actually showing up everywhere because everything is connected to everything. So where are you wanting to get something over with or, oh, I can't do it. Okay, well, we'll show you that in your reality. You, you can't experience pleasure and bliss in this moment. Oh, we'll make sure that you can't experience that everywhere else in your life. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's like such a beautiful epiphany because our thoughts are creative we are creative. So if we're thinking it, experiencing it through the felt sense while we're thinking it, we're creating it. Mm. And so that shows up everywhere. So that's huge. That's massive. (laughs) That's even huge to me in this moment. I'm like, oh yeah. Yeah. Right. I was, Mm -hmm. I was um, really humbled by those thoughts. I was like, whoa. Um, But it's really beautiful at the same time. So Part of the reason why I invited you onto the podcast is because I felt so inspired by you and your ability to show up as a coach and to hold space. And I didn't know at the time that you even were a somatic sex coach. And that's the path that I'm presently walking on. I just started a sex and love university training course. And so I'm getting more tools into my belt to walk this path with. And so specifically as a female online entrepreneur, I know that you have in-person events too. Um, What was the biggest challenge that you have overcome to be where you are now to achieve quote unquote success as a coach? Oh, it's still um, revealing itself, truthfully, and I'm always so transparent. Like, so I've always been in business for myself. I was a beauty therapist for 15 years. I have owned businesses. I've had staff. I've sold businesses. um, I've owned my own house. I've traveled the world, done all sorts of things. And when it comes to this work, it's still um, revealing itself in its totality because 
what I'm, what I find with coaching and with this work, it's not about me. It's about something so much bigger. And I'm so conscious to that. And it's this really beautiful, um, revealing. So when I, when you said the word success, I giggled internally because for me, success does not equal, um, it equals everything for me. However, I have deconstructed success because there is a lot that gets seeded into our consciousness out from outside of us of what success is. Uh, for example, in the coaching industry, yeah. if anyone's on I here. There's a whole lot of that going on. So I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I found it so funny when I came into the coaching industry and online coaches would be like, I made six figures. And there was, there's this real six figure coach idea or like I'm making 20,000 a month or 10,000 is like kind of the, like, I want to have a $10,000 a month. And it's like, why? Like what for? And for who? So that you can have the post that says I had the 6,000 six figure business or yeah. because you have a purpose for that money because you have a sufficiency because it expands you into who you're being mm -hmm. not for how it looks to others or to your parents or to anyone outside of you that's where the juice is the juice is at like okay who am I being through the success the success mm -hmm. and for me you know success is a day where I do no thing and I'm content mm -hmm. that I don't have to grasp for, oh, I should probably do something because this isn't enough. Mm -hmm. That for me, like I've reverse engineered success for me and it's hard. That no thing, waking up and just having no thing and being in that is a challenge mm -hmm. because I can do, I can create, I can be productive. I've been trained, we all have, to be very good doers well, you know, like I'm, I've been in business since I was 19. So that kind of thing, pretty can do it. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like, ooh, how can I be with no thing? Oof, yeah. Similarly, you know? how can you be with your body and unravel yourself? It's like, it's all connected. And I'll have you know, um, the woman I interviewed last week, I was taking personal notes off to the side and I'm like, okay, don't do that again, Serena. Like you can re-listen to your own podcast. It's all good. But I, I, I love that I have such inspiring people on here that I mm -hmm. want to take personal notes mm -hmm. during the podcast. So um, <laughs> thank you for sharing all of this. I'm like, what mm -hmm. is success to me? Why 10K a month? Because I have said that recently. I've said that many times. And mm -hmm. what is my why? And I also have felt triggered by other coaches that have been in my field for a number of years because it's not until they make the 10K months or the 20K months that they make the post. Mm -hmm. They don't talk about, at least the people that are in my field have not talked about the struggle to get mm -hmm. to that space. And I try, I don't try, I am as authentic and vulnerable as I can be in every moment because it's one of my strengths. 
and I share about the struggles. It's not an easy thing to just say, oh, I'm going to be a life coach. Cool. Uh And then make $10,000, $20,000 at doing it. So um, I really am receiving all of that and being with all of that. And it feels really good to, to hear for me personally. And I hope for everybody else that's listening too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something I've realized for myself, <clears throat> excuse me, is <clears throat> when I saw that six figure thing, post thing, I was like, oh, this is a thing. Because for me, my businesses have always done that from when I was 19 <laughs> and and I never felt successful enough when I had my first business. I was just like, oh, I'm not successful enough. I'm not this, I'm not that because I had no measurement, right? I had no measurement for my own internal world. I was, I was you know, 20 year old, I was partier. I was, you know, doing all of the things all at once. And so I didn't really have the tools that I now have to go, well, what are my values? What really matters to me? And why do I do what I do? And as long as I stay in integrity to that, the money's a bonus. And yeah, I get to have money goals. And yes, I get to have six-figure years and seven-figure years and $20,000 months or $100,000 months, whatever comes to me, through me, for me, however that looks. But why? Mm -hmm. How am I being with it? Who am I amongst the $1,000 or the million dollars? Because none of it means anything. I celebrate all of it, but it doesn't matter. It's not who, it doesn't change who I am. It doesn't mean anything about me. I'm creating a life that works for me, but why do I need that money? What's the law of sufficiency that I'm creating for it? Is it so that I can um, create something more powerfully with my partner? I don't have a partner at the moment. Like, is it for my family life? so that we can grow and expand into the highest vision of what we're creating together. Is it like for me, except for example, at the moment, I really want a combi. And so like I'm creating space so that combi, because I, I, there's a very specific idea to go with this combi and that's going to require quite a lot of money. And it's just like, oh yeah, that's, that feels good. Okay, cool. Income. Let's play. Let's create. Like let's get into play and fun and creation because a lot of times for me, and I know we've had conversations this week around money coming in, it's like the pressure to create it because it means something about me. Mm-hmm. And letting that go, Peter Kelly did a really good post yesterday. She said, when I put an offering out to the world, it's like a kid, like a three-year-old with a painting. And I just want to go, look what I did. Have a look at it. It's really cool. And she's like, I want to bring everything to the world like that because I created it and you get to see it. Not because, you know, this is going outside of her post, but not because it means something about me. And if you buy it, it validates who I am and that I'm a good enough coach or that I'm, um, I'm, I've made it mm-hmm. because you gave me a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. It's actually not about me. This work is not about me. And when you asked that question before, and I said, it's still revealing itself because for me, it's like I'm in service and money's part of this. And I get to receive generously because nothing goes one way. And I know that this work is coming through me for whatever reason. And I've also sat in, if I worked in my dad's fish and chip shop, it's the same thing. It's my work. 
meaning I'm putting energy into it, attention into it. And I think we place so much pressure on this coaching thing because it's, you know, changing humanity or it's helping others. Well, dad's fish and chip shop helps others. It changes their Friday night because they get to relax and they don't have to eat food that they cook and they can go to the beach with their family and relax. Like same thing. Mm-hmm. Let's not dress it up to be something that's like better or more pedestaled than something else. Mm-hmm. It's our work. We pour into it because we love it, not because it means something about ourselves. Mm. Whew. Be right it back. Was, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go process all of this. <laughs> that was a big one. I love that. Whew. Thank you so much. Um, I have one more question. Well, two more questions. Um, when did you know this meaning sex work in the fashion that you are a sex worker, a somatic sex coach, when did you know like this is what I'm going to start doing the path upon which I'm going to help humanity with? what shifted for you? Because I know for me, I'm still digesting that shift. It's like, it's been there for a little while, like circling and I haven't like swallowed the pill fully, but I'm, I'm doing the things, you know? So. Yeah. Again, still revealing itself. And I'm going to be so honest. I'm going to tell you the dead honest truth. Sex is a really sexy way for me to draw the people to me who get to understand their truth. Because sex is a taboo topic. It's something that's like quite alluring. It draws people in. It allows us to, um, you know, it's, it's something we all fucking love. We love doing it. We love talking about it. We love watching it. Mm-hmm. And it's got a very potent energy. And so in this moment, on, in hindsight, I can see why. And it's because I'm a messenger of God, of source, of what we all are, of oneness, of isness. I'm a messenger of truth and allowing someone to be initiated into that within themselves. And sex is a really good portal to get someone there. And so that is what I know to be true for me. And that has been through my journey. And so when I knew, like I knew, it started revealing itself through the medicine work that I did with ayahuasca and wachuma and 5-MeO and all of the things because it unraveled all of the ideas that I ever had about who I am and what I am into what I truly am and what we all are. Mm-hmm. And through those that medicine work and through my life experience of like my woundings or the things that have really taught me, like my relationship with men and sex has definitely been um, my medicine, meaning I've needed to know what I am not to realize what I am and to be so empowered from my disempowerment and sex was that for me. And so that's how it revealed itself. And what I know to be true now is sex is a very beautiful, um, powerful energy to play with, to initiate someone into their deepest truth, into Mm -hmm. their fullest innocence, into the essence of who they are. And 
it's just a really sexy way to get them there. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for your honesty and vulnerability. I received that well. And again, it like sparks my own curiosities and wonders, you know, because my resistance to like that path is an essentially resistance to myself and there's a lot of stories and things just like kind of working themselves out of me even in this present moment you know so um thank you so much you know through you you want to share what um sure yeah um through being yourself you know that's why I, I strive to be vulnerable as vulnerable as possible because we show each other things within ourselves the 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 deeper darker the depths of things um, and so what's coming up for me is you know I was raped when I was four and my grandfather molested me when I was twelve and I have been. <clears throat> challenged by um, my figure and in friendships with women and women being jealous of me or just, you know, certain things I wear even out in public. And so I have all of this evidence and these experiences that me accepting myself as the full sexual being that I am is wrong me accepting and inviting the full presence of my sexuality and my body and the energy that it carries is wrong. And so those are the the stories that are coming up for me. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I just want to acknowledge it. And it comes back to something we talked about earlier on here is like this need to be right and wrong. Because if we're a good person and we do things right, it means that we'll have a good life and that nothing will ever happen to us because we'll just be magical and abundant. And it's like, well, no, you're a human being living in a time and space where we're evolving. We're a very young species and we're evolving through some pretty interesting things like molestation and rape. And I understand, I, I get it because of my life experience as well. And we get to experience humanity and what we are not so we can point to and experience what we are. And I'm so grateful you shared that story because so many others do as well. You talked of Preston before, Preston Smiles and Alexi Panos have bridge uh, the Bridge Experience and Bridge Extreme. And in those workshops in Extreme, or in both of them actually, there's some uh, things that they do. It's all like what goes on in Vegas, stays in Vegas. But what reveals itself in those rooms is about 80 to 90% of people have at some point been sexually um, abused or had something show up in their life that is trauma related to their sexuality, especially as children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so you're not alone in us and neither are your listeners and me included. And we get to shift this. This gets to be something that gets 
illuminated and brought to the surface so it no longer exists because it's not who we are. No one wants to hurt someone. No one wants to take someone's power away sexually. It, like the truth of us doesn't, doesn't even think like that. It doesn't be like that. We're taught it. Mm-hmm. And they've done studies where they um, asked pedophiles, you know, um, a series of questions. They like profiled them. And 100% of them were molested. So this is a taught experience. This is a taught behavior. And I'm not saying that that means that pedophilia is okay. It's not. Like, I'm not here for it. It's a no for me. Any Anyone that feels disempowered in their sexuality and don't have the availability to have consent and free will and choice, I'm mm-hmm. a no for. I'm just going to say that. Mm-hmm. And this is why you're doing this work. It's why I'm doing this work because we can see that that doesn't no longer serve us as a humanity. It's not who we are. And thank you. Thank you for the experience. Thank you for knowing what it feels like to feel so disempowered. So like I didn't have choice. So I can be in my highest power, my total empowerment to rediscover who I truly am through my sexuality so I can pass that on to others so that they can create that so that we can create children who know what that is, who know that that their body is theirs and that they can be in the energetic space of we speak about sex. We know what that is. It's our innocence. It's allowed. It's revealed. It's not hidden because this hiding and this guilt and shame, which is that lower frequency, creates all of those behaviors that no longer serve us as humanity. And so when we can blast it out and allow it, it shifts mm-hmm. without force, mm-hmm. without it needing to look any good way because it's wrong, just because it no longer works. And we get to change and shift into what will work. And that is allowing. We are that. It is innocent. It's innocence. It feels good. Children love to play with their things. Like they love to touch it and play with it and then discover it. And like, it's how we be with it. Because ultimately it's when we go, oh, don't do that. Mm -hmm. That's wrong. Like you only save that for closed doors. And then that creates a mentality of, oh, oh, you don't talk about it. You don't be revealed in this. There's a book by Osho, which is fascinating. His books are always amazing, but it's called Sex Matters. And he goes through the stages of zero to seven, seven to 14, 14 to 21, and how society sets us up to create such limitations on our way of being in sex. It might be that book, or it could be Being in, uh, being in Love. Those are the two books that I read around the same time around sexuality and, and love. Um, but he really deconstructs it so well. He's just like, this is why this shows up here because we're doing this at this stage when we could be doing this. And he just offers a new way that it could work. So yeah, it gets to shift. And, you know, this work is so needed in the sense of allowing and seeing a different way of making it work for humanity and for our children and for our children's children so that they don't experience, you know, rape and disempowerment in their sexuality. And it may not eradicate it straight away, but hopefully, hopefully, Mm. that's my wish. 
equal humanity. Yeah, mine too. Well, thank you for inviting that space in for myself and for everyone listening to be a part of. I'm so grateful for you, for your doggo, and (laughs) for this beautiful medicine that we've created here together. So thank you so, so much, Jenna, for being here. And anyone who wants to get in touch with you, where should they go? Yeah, so Instagram is good and all my links to my website are on there. Um, Yeah, Instagram feels good. Um, I'm shifting a few things with my website at the moment. So um, just with URL and things that I've changed. So I'll Instagram and then there's links to my website from there. And um, you can always private message me if anything comes up. Like you and I have gone pretty wide and far and deep and, and diving. So just know if anything showed up for you on this call or it initiated something or activated something or it's created a trigger, please reach out to me. And I'm sure Serena's the same. Like these topics are quite liberating. Can bring up. Liberating. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I this is what we do for work. And so if there's something here for you, please reach out. Please reach out and speak it and be in your vulnerability to be seen in it because that's your superpower and you know all is welcome and so if these words have liberated something or brought something to the surface for you just just know that we're here yeah because yeah that's authentically coming through me so if something's here for you please reach out mm. yes There's you are someone to support you yeah <laughs> Oh, Jenna, I have grown to love you so much and I'm so grateful for you and your words and your being. And yes, for those listening, um, her Instagram will be in the show notes. So please go check that out, connect with her. She's amazing. And please reach out to either of us if you desire to be supported because you're not alone and you are welcome. Yes all is welcome thank you so much for having me i've really loved this so thank you thank you you're welcome (laughs) much love thank you for being here it is an honor to share with each and every one of you authentically tune in and visit the website authenticallymeradio.com You are exactly where you are supposed to be, doing exactly what you are supposed to be doing.